0: Open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 4. Thank you for coming. Visitors, we don't normally do this, so if this is your first time here, this is only done once a year, but I hope it encouraged you and uh, that you see what we're doing is in excellence. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Somebody say the year of Jubilee. Amen. Amen. Or you can also say the year of favor. We look here into Jesus' life. He comes into the temple. He's going to read a scripture. He's going to present himself before the Jewish people. Of course, we know that they're not going to accept him. They're eventually going to reject him and crucify him. But here he reads this important scripture that I believe is going to set us up for the next year that's ahead of us. He picks up this scripture. It's found in Isaiah 61, but we'll read it out of Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus talking because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you for helping me this morning, giving me some uh, feedback, because I want us to start at this first part of the verse and make this what we do in 2021, uh, 2022. We're going to, number one, ask the Holy Spirit to anoint us. I preached in the first service that it's not by might nor by power but by the spirit says the Lord and I want to remind everybody here today that there's nothing we're going to do this year that's going to last unless it comes by the spirit of God. Some of you might be thinking like me here are my plans here are my ideas but how many know if you don't commit those plans to the Lord they will not be established. You can marry somebody but not have a happy marriage. You can have some children but not have a blessed family. You can have an education but not have wisdom you can have money in the bank and not be blessed is anybody listening to me but if you got the spirit of the Lord you can be single and still be happy Amen. you can be looking at the bank account wondering if there's enough to go out and get McDonald's after this and still be blessed you can feel that everybody around you has come against you but if the spirit of God is upon your life you're going to make it today We have learned too much to forget it now. We have been through too much to let let the past, uh, you know, be forgotten in the future to scare us. We need to go back to those testimonies and see all the times that the Spirit of the Lord made a way. I think about when my wife and I first started the church, and as I said, it was like a revolving Bible study and how people would come and start and then they would quit. I remember looking at my wife and saying, how long can we do this? How long can we continue to have people give up? on what we find to be so special to us. And I remember the Lord saying this to me. If you had died as a sinner and had went to hell, would you not have pleaded with me to come out and live any old life I would give you just so you could get another chance at heaven? Is anybody listening to me? How many believe you're on another chance at heaven right now? God's already given you a second or third. And so then I said to the Lord, you're right. If I was in hell, I would say to get me out I'll be a poor preacher preaching to one person. Just let me get to heaven. And then Jesus said back to me, that's what I did, letting you live to November 5th, 1995 and not killing you and sending you to hell November 4th. And so I want to tell you that I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. But I've also seen struggle and I've also seen plight and I've also seen things that haven't gone my way, fought depression, fought anxiety, fought all kinds of spiritual demons and battles. But this is what I know, that the spirit of the Lord that is in me is greater than he that's in the. This world. And so I just want to talk to somebody today that needs to know that if you're a Christian and you're going through something and you have all of these struggles in front of you, don't focus on the struggle. Focus on the spirit of the Lord that is upon you. Because the Spirit of the Lord changes things. I still believe the Spirit of the Lord changes depression. He'll put a pep in your step. I still believe the Spirit of the Lord sets free from sin. Not 12 steps, but one step to the cross. I still believe that the Spirit of the Lord will give guidance when you've lost your way. I still believe in the Spirit of God and what He can do that no one else can do. I've watched God keep his word time and time and time again. I remember taking my first mission trip to India and being scared to fly 15 hours in a tin can. Anybody here ever felt it's weird how we fly like that? And then I said to myself, I've been on two-hour flights. I can watch a movie, but what's it going to be like with me in a tin can for 15 hours I remember the Lord taking away my fear of long flights, setting my feet on the red dirt of India, hugging that brother that was our contact there and falling in love with those precious people, knowing that it was worth it. But how many know I had to get over a fear of being stuck on a plane for 15 hours to show up on my first mission trip in India? See, sometimes people won't tell you the real story that they got the glory from because I got videos of me casting out devils on that trip, all types of wonderful things, But the preacher had. To get in a plane and be on it for 15 years, uh, fifteen years hours to get there. You see, people don't understand the struggles that you have to go through to get to where you got to go. And even if you tell somebody, and that's great, we're a church of accountability, nobody knows the troubles of it. Nobody's going to know it like you really know it. You understand, you can talk about it, you can pray about it, but you still got to hit your knees, feel the spirit of God on the inside of you and know he's walking with you. There on that trip to India, I had I had every fear you can imagine. And I'm not a germaphobe. I said I might catch malaria. I might catch a disease. There's people who persecute Christians. They might lock me up. I remember at different times because I didn't know this dude very well. I had met him online. So imagine flying 15 hours for a blind date in India. That's where I was at, okay? This dude found me online. Now I can't write him all back. But this dude found me online. I wrote him back. And just a few months later, I'm in India. Are you listening? And this brother was telling taking me to the hood of India, man. I was getting scared. It's pitch black. People all around the car thronging me like a Michael Jackson. Are you listening? But I had to trust Jesus. And I saw things on that first mission trip that I've never seen. And I'll do it again and again and again. It's like the old saying, if you want to see something you've never seen, you've got to do what you've never done. Spirit of the Lord put me in a plane for 15 hours and sent me to India. What's the Spirit of the Lord upon you for? You see, you look at your life right now and you can be discouraged at where you're at and the fears and the trepidation you feel about different things or you can talk to the Holy Spirit and see what his plan is. I love it how, you know, this one person said to me, uh, his name was Pastor Orlando. We were all on our, we were eating here in Chicago. We had had some, you know, Giordano's pizza, and we were crossing over, and you know how Chicago traffic is. Somebody almost hit us, and he grabbed me, and he said, Lord, he, he grabbed me and pushed me back, and he talked to Jesus. He said, Lord, forgive us sinners. That's just what he did. He said, Lord, forgive us sinners, and he pushed us out the way. But here's what, here's what I learned from him. He said, we're going to die anyway, whether it's a car, whether it's a plane, whether it's cancer we better be ready to meet Jesus. And so if you can just get over the fear of death, get over the fear of failure, and just know that your, your steps are ordered by the Lord, the safest place to be is where God has you. I mean, think about it. I could have been hit that day going on, what was that, Irving Park, right there by Austin. After Geodontist, I could have been hit by a car, but the Lord kept me. Why wouldn't I trust him to keep me in India? Where does God want you to go? Maybe not to India. Maybe he wants you to start that business. Maybe the spirit of the Lord wants you to fall in love again. Maybe the spirit of the Lord wants you as young people to start setting your eyes on future goals that your friends don't understand. Don't let the fear of failure stop you. Don't let the fear of death stop you. If I would have let those fears that I've had throughout my life stop me, I never would have went to India. I never would have planted this church. There was a time that we were planting this church, and I was wondering, what should I preach about? You know, all these different people are coming to the church now we start having 50, 75, 100 and the Lord told me to preach on hot topics. Probably the last thing you would want to preach about was hot topics and some of you might remember that. Preached on homosexuality, preached on abortion, all those things. But when I talked to people, you know what they say? Some of the most memorable messages were was from that sermon series that I stepped on everybody's toes. You see, you got to be willing to do what nobody else does. Nobody else in the church was willing to talk about abortion on a Sunday morning so God said, you talk about it. Nobody Nobody was willing to dedicate a whole service to homosexuality. So God said, y'all talk about it. That's what I'm going to have you do. And to this day, I'm telling you, that's what some of the people think are some of their favorite messages. When we look back at our life, we will not regret the opportunities we did not, uh, the opportunities we took. I'm telling you, what we'll look back on our life and regret is the opportunities we did not take. The opportunities that you miss, you will look back on in regret. You'll say, man, I wonder what have happened, what would have happened if I would have started that Amazon business? Are they really that much smarter than me? You know, I have this software that lets me show what people make on Amazon per product, you know, like a spatula. People making $40,000 on a spatula. Come on, can I get an amen from Andre over here? We got some Amazon sellers in the house. You'd be surprised. $40,000 on a spatula, $40,000 on a wooden spoon. I know these things because that's what I'm being recommended to sell as I'm working with an agency right now because I'm like I want to get up in this in Jesus name I want to give it all back to the church and then some can anybody say amen to that but you could you could sit back and you could begin to be intimidated and say, well, you know, it worked for them. Amazon is over. Drop shipping is over. Stocks are going down. It's the wrong time to start a business. But you know what? If the spirit of the Lord is upon you and he tells you start a business, there is no demon in hell that can stop that business. You know what? If the Lord tells you that I want you to start doing a certain thing, you better start doing that certain thing. I remember the Lord telling me that it was time for Nancy and I to start having kids. And I remember saying this. I'm going to let you down to some of my testimonies. Is that okay? Now you know I was scared to be on a 15-hour flight. Now you still love me, though? Amen. Okay, here's another testimony. I said I wouldn't have my first child until I had a yard she could play in and be safe. I know I'm a filthy suburban sinner pray for me, you urban folk. My wife grew up in a condo complex. Her, her place to play was the sidewalk with the grass on the side of it to her condo. Are you listening? She played in the parking lot. That's what it was, you know, but thank God she had a, a, a forest preserve all over this across the street, you know. But that's how a lot of people grew up, you know, in the city. But I said, man, before I have a child, I want to have a backyard. That's what I want. I just had it in my mind. I I want a backyard, and I didn't have one. I was living on Potomac and Lawndale. Somebody say, help him, Lord. Oh, I needed Jesus. That's why I bought my first gun. I did. I bought my first gun. But listen, I said to the Lord, this is my condition. I have to have a backyard. I have to feel like my, my family is safe. And then this is what the Lord said. I don't do things on your conditions. Have one right now. And I wasn't listening to them. I wasn't listening to them. Listen, I was doing all the preparatory practice to have babies, but we were doing things to prevent it. You know what I'm saying, the natural way and some of these other things. But, you know, we, we were preventing the babies from coming in, in all of our practice. But I was sitting down with Tisa. Listen to me, my oldest, Bethany, at 13 years old. You better thank Tisa for this because Tisa said to me after I told her that she's a missionary to Africa, now called to the Philippines. Sweet Tisa looked at me. And, and, and this is the way I heard it, but she doesn't talk this way. She looked at me basically and said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. God said to do it, you better do it, and he's going to bless you as you do it. I went home to the woman of God, and out came out Bethany. Are you listening? I went home to the woman of God, but guess what? Just a few months later, we came up to a house with a backyard. See, the Lord said, trust my spirit. The Lord said, trust the spirit, y'all. And what we are so concerned about is what what we make happen for ourselves it's not by our own might it's not by our own power even the son of god said i'm here anointed by the spirit jesus relied upon the spirit how much more should we here i am honestly i mean doesn't it sound ridiculous now that i talk about it i won't have kids until i have a backyard how ridiculous is that Come on, all the things that people have gone through. I know when you hear my struggles, some of you are like that's not real struggles, Pastor. But how many know it's real for me? It's real for me. My struggles may not seem that big of a deal to you. That put me on my knees. That put me on my, I'm being honest with you, I put my put me right on my knees. And you see, I had to trust the Lord. I look back at all these stories of God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And what do I see? I see the spirit of the Lord. I remember when the Lord told me to go back to school, I literally thought that it was of the devil because I said to myself, how can I, as a high school dropout who barely got an associate degree, go back to school? But God, he has a sense of humor. How many know God has a sense of humor? He basically said, well, just go back and get your bachelor's. Just go back and complete your bachelor's. See, the Lord knew to give me just one step at a time. Ten plus years later, I graduated with my doctorate straight A's. But he had to get me to go back to school by saying, just complete the bachelor's degree. But he knew how to get a hold of me. But I remember looking at those textbooks again. This time I wasn't in school and I got my associate's degree. I sat down in school. And this was before online learning was around, how they did it in correspondence is I got books, and then those books came with quizzes, and by my own integrity, I had to go to a leader in the church and have them watch or perform the oversight for a test, and God is my witness. As I was showing up for those tests, I would always think to myself, when is this thing going to be over? I really don't have any more desire to learn. I think I got the Bible. That's more than enough for me, right? I got Jesus, the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Spirit wanted something else in my life to complement what he was given me so he could use more. I look at this educational period as having more tools in the box that the Holy Spirit could pull out whenever he wanted them. But as I began to finish my bachelor's degree, I felt the Lord start to nudge me to go get my master's degree. And then I go set out to look for a school to get my master's degree, and I want to go to a Pentecostal school. I want to go to a good one. And then I start to take the classes, but it's so expensive. I'm trying to learn Greek all by myself. Can you imagine that? I mean, if you'd get these little audio tapes. I would have to sing the alphabet in Greek with this woman. I thought I was losing my mind. But but I gave it my best. I'm getting good grades. But But I just get discouraged. I say, man, this is not what I want, and I quit. And the Lord tells me, you're not done yet. I want you to go and get this degree, but I don't understand why. So I'm saying out of obedience, okay, God, I'll do it. But I don't know what major to do. Getting a master's degree is going to cost a lot of money, and and so forth. But you know what happened at that time? Sum Bible College, the Bible College I graduated from, said we're looking now for pastors to start opening up extension sites, and we need you all to have your degrees so you can start being professors. You see, if I wouldn't have already had my bachelor's and had I already taken a few masters, I wouldn't be ready to be the first, listen to me, the first graduate from their Bible college to open up an extension and to start teaching in it. You see how God had to set me up the whole way? And then I had a reason now to get my master's degree. But you see how God just took me one step at a time. And now, my friends, they're trying to catch up. They're saying, man, Joe, we're going to catch up to you. I'm like, no, it's too late. I got my doctorate. Now you can't do it. I already beat you to the punch, but they're my friends. They're my peers, and I'm just teasing, but I had to hear from God. See, God told us to get ready. The Spirit of the Lord said to get ready. Now, for some of us right here, you're used to living paycheck to paycheck. You don't have time to dream about the future. You got your hands too full with your children, but I want to double dog dare you this year to pray about your future. How much do you want to see saved by the age of 65? You're not getting further away. You're only getting closer. Next uh, next week, I turn 45. I'm 25 years, uh, 20 years from the age of retirement. I'm not going to retire, only refire, But you get my point. I want to save a million dollars by then. You know how much it takes for me to make a million dollars in savings by then? If I save 24,000 a year, 2,000 a month for those 20 years, compounded interest of 8%. Look it up on a compound interest. I could have over a million dollars by the time I retire at, or you know, time they say to retire at. The that age how many want to see a pastor save up a million dollars how many of you want to save up a million dollars Put it in an account that has compound interest. Think about your future. You say, Pastor, why is it so practical today? Tell me more about the seven uh, you know, signs of the apocalypse, the four horsemen of the, uh, uh, you know, the apocalypse. No, I need to make it practical today because the Spirit of the Lord cares about what you do on Monday. The Spirit of the Lord cares about which inheritance you're giving to your children and to you young people. What are you going to do for school? Notice Jesus says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me anointed me to preach good news to the poor if you followed me on any social media as of late, you can see I'm up to something because I want more avenues to preach the gospel to people. And, and I pray that you start asking God for creative ideas to preach the gospel. What I noticed on Facebook is it pretty much became toxic over the last two years. Everybody knows where I'm at. I know where they're at. Whoever doesn't want to be my friend has already moved on. And now we're just here kind of speaking to the inner crowd. We're basically preaching to the choir. How many kind of see that? Most of your friends, that you don't argue, like you used to. You don't fight like you used to. You've blocked them. They've blocked you. But you don't now but, but now you know you don't have the influence anymore. Right now they don't really see you. Maybe every now and then there's a hater coming to check you out but there's not a lot there. So I began to get bored with Facebook because you know I can put my devotionals up there. I can preach to you. But I want to reach sinners. Somebody say sinners. I'm not talking about the clean kind. I'm talking about the dirty kind. I'm talking about men cheating on their wives. I'm talking about people who You know, out there doing their grind, you know, stepping on people in a dog eat dog world. I'm talking about the vulgar ones, the dirty, distasteful ones. Somebody say, Sinners. Come on, I want to read Sinners. So the Lord told me, start putting up your old man stuff on social media. So I do do old man snowboarding. It's just like normal snowboarding, but it's an old man doing it. I do old man wakeboarding, just like everybody else, but it's an old man doing it. I do old man skateboarding. Everybody tracking with me right here? Do you know that one of my videos last week went to 1.3 million views on Instagram? 1.3 million views. I only got about 200 followers. Came up about 20 or 30. 1.3 million views, young people. Catch up. Catch up. (laughs) Come on. So, this is what God told me. God told me build a brand through the Instagram that's different than your brand through the Facebook. Because on Facebook, you can debate, you can put up links, it all can make sense, you can tie it together, it can be somewhat beneficial. But the last thing I want to do on Instagram is debate about abortion in a place I can't even edit my my post. Once you put up a comment, you can't even edit it. These are some things that are different about it. And I'm not saying y'all can't go hard on Instagram. I thank God for the Christians that are there. I'm just saying the spirit of the Lord anointed me to do this. Can I hear an amen? So you got to know what the spirit of the Lord anointed you to do. And so like I said, I started putting that stuff up there. I have another video by God's grace, 35,000 views. Another one, 20,000 views. What am I doing with that? I'm beginning to draw in them beer, drinking, come on, wife cheating men that are my age with their dirty minds and I'm drawing them in through snowboarding. I'm drawing them in through wakeboarding. And guess what? They're my friends now and I'm going to be a friend of sinners and I'm going to win them to the Lord in Jesus name now if some of my friends are watching this I don't think all y'all are dirty rotten sinners some of you are just sinners but you get my point you get my point is everybody get it why because God told me to do it well Joe I don't see you preaching on Instagram like you do on Facebook God didn't tell me to preach on Instagram like I'm preaching on Facebook God even has given me ideas that I can do, that I can do affiliate marketing with these different snowboard companies. I've already ca- talked to some of them and I said, listen, if I wear your gear and put your link, will you give me affiliate links? Because you know what? A million people watching me with your, your, uh, your uh, goggles on. Are you all tracking with me? A million people going to watch me with your gear on. Now you might say, pastor, I just want you to be a monk sitting in the church and just doing the scholarly stuff. Did you hear that we started a Bible college this year? I'm teaching two classes by God's grace. You see, I can chew gum and walk at the same time. There there are some of you here that are limiting what the spirit of God can do because it's not religious enough or it's not uh, approval enough by the people around you. you got to learn to hear what God is saying to you. Of course, bring it to accountability. I've let my wife know to make sure I'm doing the right things because I don't want anybody slipping into DMs that don't belong there. Amen. Every now and then there's a female that comes in and goes, I'm so happy you're doing all that. I'm glad you're happy for me, but I'm still blocking you, okay? It's just I can't run with you like that. You can, you can like, you can follow the feed, you can follow the feed, but on the messenger side of Instagram, you're blocked. I, just, I, I appreciate the compliment. I will pray for you, but there is no communication going on here. So funny, man. I've already had some dudes writing me. One's a pastor up in Canada. He's a better snowboarder than me. God's going to use him to do stuff in Israel and the mountains up there. It's just amazing the things that I'm hearing about with snowboarding and how we can do this. What is your niche? What is your passion? What is the thing that you can go out and preach the good news to and be as natural as possible? You see, a lot of times we as Christians, we've walked, uh, you know, into two different ditches. The one ditch is I can't be your friend unless I preach to you and tell you you're going to hell all the time. Some some churches, and you might have even heard that here at times from a pastor like this, but sometimes we're under this pressure that unless you tell them they're going to hell all the time, you can't really be their friend because otherwise you're compromising then on the other side in the ditch that we fall into all the time is that you know what just be their friend don't offend them make sure that you go Christian light with them because you don't want to scare them I think there's a perfect balance in the middle of how we preach the gospel to people we let them know this is who we are all of the friends that I'm snowboarding with people know that I'm a Christian right on my heading of Instagram disciple of Christ pastor I put out there the different messages of Christianity through that they know it they've seen it people who have followed me there have said I have then followed your church I see what your church is doing I've you live. So it's happening. They know who I am in Jesus' name. But at the same time, I'm not making it about everything controversial because I know if I go right into controversy, then I lose them just like I lost everybody on the Facebook side. And there's times you got to lose them. If God said right now, put up an aborted baby on your Instagram, offend them all, go back down to one follower. Okay, I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it in 30 seconds. But how many know you got to be shrewd when you do it? See, right now the Lord's just telling me to be shrewd. See, I'm asking you, what is he telling you to do? How many coffee friends do you have? How many uh, makeup friends do you girls have at the school? How many of you women right here have people that you're talking about facials with or your nails or whatever women do, amen? Clothes, I mean, maybe you build houses, women. Maybe you are, uh, you know, Joanna Gaines, right? Whatever you do, how many fellow nurses are you reaching? How many fellow singers or people in your community or your job are you reaching, I want us to be gospel preachers this year, not only in the controversial sense where we let everybody know they're going to hell, but we find creative and witty ideas to reach people for the gospel of Christ where we never compromise. In other words, if people want to follow an old dude snowboarding, I wanted it to be me because I want to lead them the right way instead of some backslider. Are you listening? And if anybody's going to be learning about beauty tips, I want them to learn it from you because you're going to teach them the way of Christ. Look at the next thing that it says here. You're going to preach the good news, and you're going to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. We have to make a decision that we're not going to be bound by anything ourselves. Vinny, would you begin to come, please? Because I want to close out praying for everybody today. Thank you for your patience, but listen, you've got to be ready to proclaim freedom, not only to others, but first to yourself. Have you been in bondage this year to anything, anything this year, whether it's in your mind, whether it's addictions, whether it's to perversion, whether it's to uh, money, whether it's to failure, like get free in Jesus' name. How many want to be free in Jesus' name? I want to be free from anything that holds me as a prisoner today. If I watch too many movies, I want the Lord to convict me. If I go out and spend too much time on my hobbies or Instagram, I want the Lord to convict me. If I'm spending too much money on myself shopping at the buckle when I should be going to the second-hand store, Lord, tell me this because I don't want to be a prisoner to this vest. I want to be where God wants me to be, free. He can call me up at any time and say, let's go. Don't you want to be ready for the Lord to call you up at any time? You know why most people don't do stuff for God? Because they're bound up in something. They're bound up. Hey, man, let's go preach. Oh, I don't feel like it. What's really going on is I looked at pornography last night, and I'm not ready to be a hypocrite. A lot of people stuff into I'm not ready things that they're bound by. A lot of you are saying you're not ready for stuff that God says you're ready for, but the reason why you're not ready is because you're bound. You're in bondage. Oh, I'm not ready to go out and try this yet. I'm not ready to just... Why? Because something on the inside has bound you up. Low self-esteem, fear. Do you know how many times I have failed? Do you know that I have closed... We're getting close now to beating the record, but I have... I think we just did. Yeah, with, if we count ours, we're at the three. I've closed two churches, opened three. Do you know up until we launched out Miami, I was 50-50 when it came to churches? I said, I said, yeah, I won't tell on myself. Are you guys still gonna come back next week? Yeah, I've failed twice. In New Orleans, I failed as a pastor, man. Can you imagine that? Failing as a pastor, Albert, all on fire for Jesus, loving God. Never failed because of lacking integrity. By God's grace, I've never had any reproach brought against me. And number two, I've never been in rebellion towards good leaders. So you guys can trust me as a pastor. I've always been in good standing the same pastor I've had from Bible College, Brother Anthony Freeman, you can call him anytime or write him on Facebook, he'll testify to what I've said, and I've never had a reproach brought against my integrity, that means someone has not brought up something that would be unfit for a pastor, that was true, and I had to deal with it, over 20 years of ministry, but you know what it feels like to fail at something in church, I mean, I know a lot of y'all have failed at stuff like me in the world, but have you ever failed at something in church? You want to know how stupid that makes you feel? I mean, literally, in church. Like, this is the place you're supposed to be a success, right? I mean, this is the place you're working for God. I mean, God's got you. You know, all these preachers told me when I was a young man, I had a call on my life. I could preach. You know, God was going to use me. Visions of filling stadiums. Could you imagine telling people, we're not having church next week because we're shutting it down? Because you can't afford the bills anymore? I was a 22-year-old young man out of Bible Couch started my first church with a denomination with support with a lot of help but it was hard failed You know what that feels like man you feel terrible I questioned whether or not I was even called to the ministry whether or not I was even called to preach like man whatever this was supposed to be it wasn't and who's the one to blame I mean I can't blame the people those same people will go to another church I blamed myself started battling with depression, feeling like I was the failure. I remember taking a trip from New Orleans to Pensacola, being by the beach, and I called up one of my spiritual mentors, and I told him all the fears that I had. And in other words, you know what he told me? He said, it's just ministry. It doesn't dictate your identity. You're still a child of God. You are still loved by the Father, and He's proud of you. He said, don't let your ministry dictate your identity. You know that set me free at that moment? But I know some of you can relate because it may not be ministry, but you're failing at things in your life. You're failing at marriage. You're failing at school. You're failing at making friends. You're failing at your gifts and your talents. They're not making a way for you. Maybe you started three businesses and they all failed. you know what we have to believe? Is that he came to set the prisoners free. One of the first things that you have to do is to believe that God said what he said and that he'll do what he did. He'll do it in others like he did. He'll do it for you like he did it in others. And he'll keep that word for you and you'll come out of that prison. I remember after closing that church, coming to work up here at a, as a youth pastor. And even though I didn't know it then, I can, I, I can tell it now what I was. But I felt it then. I was traumatized. Do you know that I tried to quit being a youth pastor three different times while the youth group was exploding? Because you know what I had? I didn't even have a name for it, uh, but they have a name for it now. It's called the, uh, the something syndrome, imposter syndrome. I had come out of such a deep struggle and was so traumatized. The people were great. I'm just telling you my emotions were so traumatized in New Orleans that when I started pastoring in Chicago, I didn't even understand how to take success. The youth group had doubled from like 70 to 140. We were doing major outreaches, upwards of 300. We started a young adult ministry out of that that was starting to get to 30, 40, 50. I started a Bible school in that. So three things were happening. My wife is a witness to this. It was amazing what God did. But I would go and sit with the pastor and I would say, man, I think I need to quit. I think I need to quit. I was so confused. I was like... Something's not right here, you know? Man, if I was this good, why didn't it work in New Orleans? So what's wrong with me? Maybe it's something here. Maybe this doesn't have anything to do with it. Maybe it's just your church is a good church, and I just jumped on your bus. I don't feel right about this. Maybe I need to now go back to New Orleans. He had to sit with me like two or three times at the middle of the highest testimonies he's ever had in that ministry with the youth group. He was having me preach once a month, and that's unheard of for a youth pastor. He was so excited about everything that was going on, and I'm sitting in a back room with him going, man, I think I need to quit and go back because something's not right. I got I to gotta, I gotta go back and fix this because maybe that's why I failed because I wasn't committed enough and that's why it's happening here is it's not me and I, gotta, you know, I was just confused. But thank God he kept me and he let me go through that. Some of you, you're confused like that. I don't know if my confusion is your confusion but you just don't know if you can come through what you're going through. Maybe it is starting to work out for you and you feel like you don't deserve it. Maybe you look at your family, and they're all haters, and they don't support you, and so you don't want to grow more, successful, grow more successful than them because they're going to hate you even more. Or maybe right now you're scared because you already have a family and responsibilities, and you don't want to put anything on the line because it takes an entrepreneur spirit to do something new. And even if you're working for somebody else's company, but do, doing something new, maybe taking on a new position, a new role, the Bible says he came to set prisoners free. He came to recover the sight for the blind. There is nothing sadder in life than a blind Christian. We are supposed to be like Martin Luther King Jr. having visions of mountaintops. We're supposed to be seeing things that nobody else can see. But I know as Christians, sometimes the world blinds us and you can't see it anymore. Do you know how many times I've looked at 100,000 and I can't see it? That's why I have that picture up to help me. You know how many times in my own prayer closet, TJ, Joe B, in my prayer closet, I've had to turn off every single light so it wasn't a distraction, close my eyes, and say, Lord, help me to believe it one more time, 100,000. And in that prayer closet, the Lord, I'm telling you, it almost looks like it's a, the size of a pin drop, and the Lord just brings it closer. And then I think to myself, okay, 100,000, 50 churches. We would have 50 pastors. Okay, Joe B. would be a pastor, TJ. And then it gets a little bit closer. Then I go, okay, and then we're going to have after-school programs. Okay, this sister's going to work in the after-school. She'll be over this. And then it gets closer, and then it gets closer. And then literally at the moment... At the moment when I can see my daughter leading worship, at the moment when I can see a pastor leading one of the 50 campuses like chair, at that moment I hear the devil laughing and say, "Ha ha ha. You just played make-believe you stupid Christian. Ha ha ha! You think that's going to happen. You might as well just want about uh, dreamed about winning the lottery. I'm telling you. And you know what encourages me and silences that laughter is the Lord says, I said it, and I'll do it. And so when we come back to church again, and I hear us say, how many believe? In 100,000, 50 churches, and 500 around the world, my faith increases again to get up and fight like I've never fought before. You have to go through it, though. You have to go through it. Because otherwise, this is what it's like. You're coming to church. Oh, I love Jesus, but I can't see a family. I'm a single mom. I love Jesus, but I can't see more than a thousand in savings because I have just a job that I have to do to put you know food on the table. You know, I'm a Christian, but I can't see being a life group leader because I'm so shy and I have a st- 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 stutter when I talk and I get nervous. I'm the only Christian in my house. I don't see how I'm ever gonna grow up, get married and have a family like the leaders that I see. He said he came to make the blind see. The blind see. And you have to fight for it. I wanna talk to you as every parent here can understand this. What I just said about the church, I have to do it with my children. Lucas, come on up here, please, with Zoe. I think you'll be the most well-behaved on this adventure. I'll just call up the two out of the six. No offense to the others. (laughs) I'm not pushing it with my two youngest. This is my first boy, and then this is the first of the new set of girls, because I have two girls, boys, two girls, boys. So she's the set, the leader of the new set. That's how I look at them. I want every parent to hear me. You are not alone, Vanessa. You are not alone, parents. You are not alone. How many times do you have to close your eyes in prayer and say, I just don't see him at 9. I see him at 10. I see him at 11. I see him at 12. I see him at 15, 6. I see him as a man. I see him going to college. I see him having a career. I see him having a wife. I see him living a blessed life. I will not give up on the dream. I see her at 7. I see her at 8. I see her at 9. I see her at 10. I'm going to keep her right about here. for. I see I'm just kidding. I see her at 20. I see her as a mother, as a wife. I see her as a mother. I see her bringing her children to church like Cynthia Jr. comes with her mom and her children to church. I will not give up on her now. He helps the blind see because parents if all you can see right now is a nine-year-old that just wants to play video games and skateboard and a girl that wants to talk to you for a half hour but say the equivalent of one meaningful sentence If that's all you see, if that's all you see, you're blind as a parent. And that's why we have to ask Jesus, open our eyes. I'm sitting down with an entrepreneur. I'm sitting down with a leader. I'm sitting down with people that are going to be world changers. And I got to believe in that right now. Can I hear an amen? God bless you, church kids. You guys can be seated. The oppressed free means we get set free not only externally from what binds us, but internally. And lastly, we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I want you to just to hear this in closing. Thank you for your patience. Just imagine you being around in Jesus' time, and you've actually experienced the anointing that Jesus has in your life. His anointing saved you. You received the good news. His anointing sets you free inwardly and outwardly. And His anointing healed and gave you vision. Wouldn't you believe Him? If he now told you, you're going to have a good year. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Wouldn't you believe him? After he just got you saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed your mind, set you free to see the future. Your eyes can see what you've never seen before. You're no longer oppressed. Wouldn't you believe him? If he now said to you, sister, brother, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be good. Come on, Victor. It's going to be good in 2022. God's going to do what only he can do. That's why we as Christians, we have to hold on to that faith and look back at our testimonies. If he took care of me, then he'll take care of me now. Pray for me because she wants to start driving soon, the oldest one. If he took care of us and brought us in a half a million dollars in a storefront, he'll take care of us when we take over a 40,000 square foot arena in Jesus' name. Won't he do it? And if he took care of you when you were a single mom or a single dad, won't he help you build together a new marriage or a new family? Won't he bless you in ways you've never thought, imagined, or even asked yourself? Because he's faithful. He just wants us to believe, i got you, that I'm going to take care of you. He wants us to believe that when he says it's going to be a good year, it's a good year, even if we have to bury our lost uh, our loved ones or deal with people in our family that are lost. It's still a good year, even if the economy goes up and down, we got to trust him because through the, the goriness of life, God is getting the glory, isn't He? Didn't God get glory? Come on, everybody think about it. I'm sorry I talked too much about me. I always love listening to Joyce Meyer. She tells her stories, but whenever I tell my stories, I feel I talked about myself too much. But just listen to me. Don't you think God understood what was happening in my life that day, Stancy, when I went to my computer and put out Bible study on Addison and Pulaski at 7 o'clock? and printed it out and cut it with scissors in my own office in my own bedroom and went on the corner and handed it to somebody? Don't you think Jesus knew what was happening in my heart? And don't you think he knew what was going to happen many, many years later? So what, what was the difference? It's not God in this sense, and I don't mean to take any credit from God, but it's us trusting God because God is always going to be God. But you may not always get a miracle or see your breakthrough. So in that way, and I'm not taking it from God because it's all by His Spirit, but you get the cooperation we have to have. Before you come show up for a $500,000 testimony, you got to cut out a flyer and hand it to somebody. Before you before you see six children, you gotta to wait to date the one God has for you. Be, before you see a husband come back into your life, or do you see a marriage healed, or before you see a high school change, you've got to show up and pray every day. You've got to be faithful in that little when it hurts so much and you see so little response coming back, you get back up. And I know for some of you this is touching home. But I just want to tell you, you're not alone. He's walking with you. You see, that's what Tony Robinson and, and these others motivational speakers can't tell you. They'll say a lot of what I'm saying about motivational speech. But I want you to hear this, everyone. What they can't give you is what I'm giving you right now. The Lord will be with you. You will sense the presence of the Lord. Cielo. And Oscar. I want to start praying for you guys. Come on up here. It's one of our newlywed couples. Let's give it up for Cielo and Oscar. When did you guys get married? What was it? It was this year, June. And I did it. <laughs> and it was in that beautiful farm, right? Come stand right here. Just want to pray for some of you. You see, right now, the Lord is watching you together. Start in your family. Start in your ministry. And everything right now may seem so little to the effort you put in. You put in all of this effort to prepare maybe a Bible study, only a few come. Or you get an opportunity to to do a new 101-er or have a new discipleship person in your life. And then they, you know, you've been praying for them all week and then they don't show up, you know. Or you're in school as you're working and you're doing so good and trying to hold it together, but then a test comes that you're not ready for, right? And you may feel like you're giving all of this effort for so little. Do you know that it's at this stage right here where what nobody sees is going to result in what everybody sees. What you're doing now in your schools, your your studies, is what everybody's going to be thankful for when you start preaching and leading. Are you getting me? My wife and I, at this stage of marriage, made our decision that we would say, no, thank you, and please, and all of these proper words. We would speak to each other. You would think you had just entered into the antebellum south. You would have thought you were like in whatever that, gone with the wind, okay? Because what we decided was we were not going to be rude to each other. Now we teach it to six children in a house that could be crazy without it. Can I just pray for you? That 2022, God's going to do what only he can do. Father, I ask you to bless this young couple that got married this year. I pray for you to pour out your spirit in ways like they've never seen. Lord, may the, the faithfulness produce fruitfulness, oh Lord. And Lord, this year, may they begin to see increase. Bless them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we get up for this beautiful couple right here? Jason, can I pray for you, man of God? I saw the tears. I saw the emotion. Can I pray for you? All that emotion, brother, because I know a little bit of your story. Not even trying to speak as a prophet. I'm just coming as a pastor right now. But if I get some word, I'll give it to you. Amen. But as a pastor, knowing your past, it's been a fight. It's been a struggle. It's been a hope that gets disappointed, a hope that gets disappointed. But I want to give you a promise that this hope that you have in Christ Is not the thing that's being changed and being disappointed those are just the circumstances throughout all the disappointments that's actually been getting stronger you've been getting closer to the fulfillment of those promises than you ever were before and I know you and I can understand that struggle because we're go-getters so often I say to myself brother I say to my I say to Jesus I say Jesus if I die right now I feel like you wasted so much on me in this life And you know what the Lord always tells me? I'm not wasting it. I'm preparing it. I'm preparing it. And sometimes I'll even be honest with you. In my own doubt, I go, well, I guess it's in the kingdom to come because I don't see it now. But the Lord tells me, no, you're going to see it now you're going to see it in the land of the living in other words you get it and so I just want to say to you it's all been a preparation it's all been a foundation and so that when you get to that place there and people say how did you get there you're going to tell them it's because of places like here of the faithfulness of the tears of bringing your children to two services when people thought you were crazy right when you could have went somewhere else to a bigger church more notoriety you came back to a storefront church to help do what we didn't have bring a strong masculine voice back on this pulpit that wasn't afraid to worship like David in the name of Jesus you're inspiring men you're inspiring men of God you're being like a father figure to these young ladies and to these women and God's going to use you and Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name that every word comes forth that you have promised this man. Let him see, God, that there has never been a time wasted, a struggle wasted, a test wasted, but that, God, you have been doing something in the midst of that test for that testimony, oh God, for the glory that you would get out of the problems that he's faced, the preparation, oh God. And I just pray, Lord, for a fresh anointing, for songs creativity poetry this brother does so much like that for the gifts that you've had given him lord for the nonprofit, i pray it comes to pass in ways we've never seen thought or imagined in jesus name and everybody said amen can you give it up for this man of god and would you stay up here if if you got to get tissue i understand but i want you to be the first one to sing as we get out of here today i want everyone that's an elevate to come line these altars right now for us please How many want to see young people get touched by God today? The Spirit of the Lord come upon them. I was so proud of you and the thing that your mom shared. Keep going, sister. Keep going. You have everything before you right now and nothing to lose. I was singing a song the other day, and I feel like it will bless you today. It was a song that went something like God was saying, Give me everything because you had nothing to lose but everything to gain. I don't know how you can make that sound good, but would you help me? In your own way, work it out. I give everything to you because there's nothing to lose, but everything to gain. Would you please figure that out? Because I had a prophetic word, and it was not just for you. it's for all of these young people here. But I wanted to start with you because I want you to understand, as a church kid, it can just feel like, well, this is what we do. And it's maybe not that special. Like, oh, my mom's into Jesus, so I get into Jesus. But I want you to hear me on this. You're going to be thankful she put you on to Jesus at this age. Because there is nothing you will ever do that will be greater than that. But here's the beauty of Jesus. Here is the beauty of Jesus. And I just want to speak this to your heart. That all of those dreams that you have, that you think, well, I don't know how they fit with Jesus. They're actually not outside of Jesus. Those are actually the dreams Jesus is giving you to show you that living life with him is that exciting. So if you're thinking to yourself, and I'm just going to pick a bunch of girl things, this is not me trying to know your, your inner thoughts right now, okay? I want to be very clear with the young ones. But let's say you want to do something with health and beauty, like how your mom is doing, right? And you're like, well, how am I going to do that and still be a great Christian leader and all of this? You see, Jesus doesn't see them as two separate things. Jesus doesn't see you starting the next hairline product and then you going to church and preaching and being an awesome Christian That's two separate things. And I want every church kid to hear that. God does not see that. You're wearing a Nassau shirt, and I know that's for another reason it became hip, but you could be a rocket scientist and do everything that God wants for you in this church and enjoy the life he's given you without there ever being a contradiction. So I just want to encourage you with that because I see so much potential and greatness, and you're maybe wondering, how do I live this out? You're going to live it out with Jesus. Church doesn't stop here, it goes with you. So, I want everyone to hear that word that I shared with this dear sister because that's for all of you in this church because so much of what we do is like come to church and clap, sing songs, do plays, do skits. That's what we do. That's Jesus stuff. But then if I want to be on TikTok, I got to do worldly stuff. I got to learn the worldly dance, you know, whatever that new dance is. I've got to then, if I want to make money, I've got to learn a worldly way of making money to, you know, to be an entrepreneur or to, you know, to own a car dealership or whatever you're going to do. But it's, it's not opposite. Do you all understand what I'm saying? It's not opposite. Whatever dream you have, that right now you're trying to figure out how does that fit into the plan of God, chances are, because I don't know all y'all dreams, some of your dreams might be crazy, so let me not put just a stamp on every one of your dreams right now. Let me just make sure I clarify this. The dreams that you're getting that are positive and are for good, listen, those are actually not anti-God. They're actually the purpose of God. Because at this stage of your life, can I hear an amen from the parents? How many know at this stage of your life, even the cool dude with the hoodie and the hands in the pocket, I love you so much, my guy. Don't you ever change, okay? I'm glad that you're here this morning. Even for my bro right here who might be thinking like, how does what I want to do fit in with my churchy family? I promise you this. With a capital P promise. Everything. You love that is good for you, God put it there. You like, Let's say you like racing cars. Typical guy stuff, not trying to read your secret thoughts, but if it hits, I'll take it, okay? Pastor, that was prophetic. I love racing cars, okay? But I'm not trying to be specific, but just follow me. Let's say you love like Fast and the Furious stuff. Like that's your dream. I want to have nice cars. I want to race them. This is my thing. It feels so opposite of my church family stuff. No, it's not. It's exactly the reason why we go to church. Because after you have the sickest car and you just beat everybody at the race and now everybody wants your aftermarket products because you got laser machines that put it all together, like zzz, that cut this stuff out of friends that actually make these aftermarket stuff, you're running all of that, where's your peace? Because that trophy might as well just be this fan. It's not going to fill up your heart. That million dollars you just won in that race might as well be the whatever you got in your pocket right now because it's not going to change your heart. You see, what Christians understand is that what we do vertically is what gives us the joy and the peace to do everything horizontally. Otherwise, you'll never race enough cars to be happy. You'll never win enough trophies. You'll never have enough money from your aftermarket shop. You'll never be there. But if you have Christ, you can win or lose and you'll be at peace. You can have joy in your heart, $10, a million dollars, and you'll remember this talk because you'll say, I got it now. Most young people, listen, throw away their future for their fears of what their peers think about them. Do you know that I almost died because I didn't want to look soft in front of my friends? The night the gun was pulled on me, was because I was trying to impress a friend by beating up on a kid that I just didn't like. So I beat him up, and then he went to his car, and then you know what he did? He came back with a gun, and he pulled it on me. But my friend and I got it from him. He was pretty drunk too, thank God. And he didn't get a chance to shoot me. But can you believe that? I almost missed all six children, a marriage, a doctorate degree, being a pastor, fulfilling all of this purpose because I didn't want to look lame in front of my friends. Parents, do I have time for one more story with them? Because I know some of you, and I remember talking to Vanessa's kids here. I was telling them some of my testimonies. And I was like, do you guys know anybody like this? Or you guys relate? And they're like, no, we don't. know people who have guns pulled on them, selling drugs and all of these crazy things, which is good. And I'm believing you're telling me the truth. Those are the crazy kids over there. Stay away from them just to preach to them. But love them. Okay? But now watch. Even in your greatest success... Let's say on the outside, you accomplish goal after goal after goal, and you didn't have the struggles that maybe other people had in the sense of drugs, alcohol, party, and all of this. You will still let what other people think about you hinder you because you'll think, well, if I don't get this MIT degree, how many think they could go to MIT? Don't want to judge on appearances, but I see some MIT right here. Okay, like boom. But then here's the thing, and I think I've talked about this in second service, suicide rate among PhD students is like six times higher than the average. Why? Because they put all that pressure on them. I got I to gotta get to MIT. Now that I'm in MIT, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Hold up. Put God first. And then you won't allow what your friends think about you, what the world thinks about you, to get in the way. Now you can go to MIT, enjoy the journey, invent the new thing, tithe to the church, and help us build one of those buildings. Amen? Father, I thank you for each one of these young people. As Jason begins to sing out this thing, this song, a little snippet of a song, I just want some of our youth leaders and parents now, would you come around and Thank you for letting me pray for them. Would you just get their back? And some of our youth leaders, would you come? We're going to dismiss after this. But we're just going to pray for every one of these young people. Thank you, Jason. Go ahead and turn them up a little bit. I pray you bless each and every give it all to Jesus you have nothing to lose but everything to gain come on in the name of Jesus I promise you there will not be one waste of your purpose one waste of your dreams God is not giving these dreams to mess with you these are dreams and plans for your future these are things that you'll have with you for the rest of your life these dreams these gifts these talents Don't let anyone take them from you. Don't live under peer pressure. Don't put yourself down. Don't be in a hurry. Trust the Lord. Hallelujah. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. A few more moments praying for these young people. You won't regret it. Lord, as I get ready to dismiss this service, I pray that none of us will forget what you did with that anointing. And I pray that we'll live in that reality every day. Oh, Jesus, save us. Set us free. Give us back our vision that the enemy's taken from us. Break the oppressor off of our lives and show us what you have for us this year. Lead us and guide us. Oh, good shepherd, would you do it now? In the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Can you bless them saints?